curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you. die you are hidden in the strength of God most high 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship. And if you're watching us online, we just want to say welcome to you as well. It is a good day in the Lord today, and we're so glad that you're here this morning. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for the things that you have prepared for us today. Things to cause us to grow and to empower us and to help us, Lord. And we give you thanks and praise for your goodness. You are a great God and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's stand together. Are you ready to worship this morning?
house. Come on, let's worship. We're worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We worship your majesty in this place. You are the King. You are the Lord. is here right now. We're gathered in your name. 
And you promised us that you would be here. So, Lord, thank you for being here. And we turn our hearts towards you and we listen to what you have to say to us. Don't worry about the way in which you need to go, for the Lord says, I am the way. Don't worry about what you need to know, we said, for I am the truth. I've opened a door for you to come before my Father and enter his fold. I am the doorkeeper. I am the shepherd. I am for you, and I'm calling myself to you says the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad he's calling you to him? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. They do an amazing job in our sound and audio crew. You know, if you'd like to help in those areas, you certainly can. We'll train you. Hallelujah. There's people doing stuff there that they they never thought they'd be doing that stuff, but they're doing it. Amen. Amen. If you're trainable, you can help. Hallelujah. (laughs) I think we're all trainable. Amen. Yes, we are. You can teach an old Doug new tricks. Yeah. We're not old dogs. (laughs) No, I said Doug. (laughs) Old Doug. You're not old either. I don't know who you think you are. (laughs) I didn't marry no old man. (laughs) I'm just saying. I go from glory to glory. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) A little marriage uh, advice for you there. <laughs> let, let's make our confession based on the word of God. Amen. Jesus, Jesus is, is our Lord and Master, and, and we are always learning about him, his, his ways and his kingdom. We willingly and faithfully come to Jesus to find rest for our souls. The Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light. We do his will because it is our delight. His His gentleness and humility give us great peace and security. We choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, and we remain secure and at rest in the Almighty Shadow. He alone is our refuge, our fortress, our God in whom we trust. The Lord has rescued our life from death. He bountifully blesses us and is always good to us. Therefore, we rest in him. Because God's peace is with us and in us, we do not worry, and we cast all our cares on him. We are confident in Christ and enter into his divine rest by faith. The Lord freely offers his rest to all of us, and we receive it because we believe it. God's rest refreshes our souls. We are God's people, and there remains a Sabbath rest for us today. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising Word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's Word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. 
Good morning, BCF. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, today is December 4th, so happy birthday to Emily. <laughs> and um, today, after service, we have book club, so ladies, feel free to join us. We are finishing up um, our book and picking our book that will be starting in February. Also, um, pastor appreciation is extending into 2023, and really, it's extending for forever, okay? So, so just plan on that, okay? <laughs> for those of you who like to plan things ahead. <laughs> um, Tuesday is this generation. And we are excited to be in the middle schools. Uh, there are new kids who have been coming, I know, and we've been using, like, the bus and the van, and great things are happening. And so we are excited for it to catch on in the middle school. And that's at 1.25 p.m. And um, that also goes along with Bible Adventure, which happens on Thursdays, so, which is geared towards the elementary schools, especially um, Forge and Northside. If you are interested in volunteering with those, you can see um, Pastor Nadine or Miss Chris. They are involved with that. You know, you can help in all sorts of ways. They need listeners. They need drivers. We need sound people, all sorts of things. So you can always help if you are able to. Um, Tuesday evenings is youth group. And we are excited to be part of the youth, and we are growing every time we meet. Um, we are... We're doing lots of things. We are excited to be part in servicing, like, our work communities as well. So we have plans to be taking, like, cookies and things into our workplaces. So that way, wherever we go, people know that, like, BCF, we love people when we serve people, right, just like we are taught here. Wednesdays, we have Wednesday Night Refreshing, and that is at 630. I love Wednesdays and Sundays. Um, and then... Coming up in a couple of weeks is our candlelight Christmas service, which will be Wednesday, December 21st. And that will be at 6.30, our regular Wednesday time. It will be a little bit different service where we actually have candles. It's one of my favorites because we turn off the lights and everything. It's so much fun. <laughs> um, and so there will be no service then Sunday, December 25th. So you have maximum time to celebrate Jesus' birthday with your family. And how many of you enjoy shopping? Yes, it is, especially during the Christmas season, shopping for gifts. I like giving people gifts, but I don't like shopping, so <laughs> kind of find ways around that. Online shopping is amazing, okay? So we have our online bookstore, right? We have books, we have T-shirts, we have coffee. Everything here is available globally and locally. We get fresh coffee and all that stuff. So Think of it for Christmas gifts as well. And as we wrap up the year, and oftentimes, you know, it's a very giving time of year, just wanted to say a reminder that we do have still some of our long-term projects happening. Um, we have our VCF kitchen project where we got our new ovens, and they are beautiful, and we make so much food with them. But we are also um, want to upgrade, you know, the rest of the kitchen to match the stoves. So that's like the exhaust vent and new refrigerators. And I know this is Josiah's favorite project, is the stage lights and everything. So we can also upgrade our stage as well. 
continually making improvements so that the house of the Lord looks excellent. Okay. And so I've been doing some reading and some thinking. It happens quite frequently, but it's happening more. <laughs> it's happening more now that I don't have as much like to do with my grad classes. But um, so I was reading and I learned, my mom told me that there's the verse in it's Psalms 22. It says, like, Jesus comments that he is like a worm, right? David's talking about, like, the crucifixion. And she mentioned that it's a special, like, kind of bothered her that Jesus would say I'm a worm. Like, kind of weird. Um, But we discovered that really that is a special type of worm that they use to make crimson dye. They had to crush the worm to basically get the dye that they used for then making certain types of clothing back then. Um... So it was like, like you said, he was prophesying that he was going to be crushed at the crucifixion, but that the crimson blood would then wash all of our sins away. And I learned about, like, purple, okay, because I was thinking about royalty as well. Because Jesus, he made us rich. When he went to the cross, everything that he did, his blood made us rich. He became poor, so we didn't have to be. And I looked up the word poor in that scripture, and it just means needy. Basically, he became a person that had needs, which kind of fits all of us. So, but it gave me hope that, like, because Jesus did that, then now we don't actually have to have needs, right? He supplies all our needs and our wants and our desires. So that, um, how they made purple dye, right? They did crimson with the worm, but they made purple dye from these snails that have, like, literally purple blood. Yeah. And it said, um... Like, one snail provided basically, like, one drop of this, like, purple dye. And it was so, like, expensive and costly that they had specific merchants and, like, people who specialized in, like, making purple dye. And those people were very wealthy. So I just want to, like, encourage you and remind you, like, of all that Jesus' blood did for us in this holiday season. That's it. And as you go about this season, feel free to say Merry Christmas without shame. Amen? Because Christmas is what it's about. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Here are some children's ideas about angels. Angels work for God and watch over kids when God has to go and do something else. A seven-year-old said that. Uh, An eight-year-old said, my guardian angel helps me with math, but he's not too much good for science. Um. An eight-year-old boy said, uh, angels live in cloud houses made by God and his son, who's a very good carpenter. And uh, another child said, when an angel gets mad, he takes a deep breath and counts to ten. And when he lets out his breath, somewhere there's a tornado. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right.
I'm going to venture into this one. Signs that you may not be reading your Bible regularly. Um, You think Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob may have had a few hit songs in the 60s. (laughs) You're probably not reading your Bible enough. You open to the Gospel of Luke and a World War II savings bond falls out. (laughs) Hallelujah. Your favorite Old Testament patriarch is Hercules. (laughs) You may not be reading your Bible enough. You become frustrated because Charlton Heston isn't listed in either the concordance or the table of contents. You think the minor prophets worked in the quarries. You keep falling forward every time when pastor tells you to turn to the fir- turn to first condominiums. And and the main reason you're not reading your Bible enough is the kids keep asking too many questions about uh, you, your usual bedtime story. Jonah, the shepherd boy, and his ark of many colors. <laughs> so the moral of the story is read more. Amen. Before I dismiss the kids, I just want to share something with you on what is a seed. What is a seed? A seed is the prolific principle of life. And uh, the seed of Abraham denotes not only his natural descendants, um, but those who are his spiritual descendants. A seed is the fertilized and ripened egg cell of a plant capable of sprouting to produce a new plant. A seed is anything that can become more. A seed is both spiritual and natural. It has both spiritual and natural applications. A seed is the only exit from your presence, your present circumstance, and the only door to your future. A seed. What you already possess is the solution for your life. And 2 Corinthians 9.10, the Bible says, God supplies seed to the sower. And he increases, increase comes from the seed. So God's given us seed. Our time is our seed. Our talents are seeds. And our treasure is a seed. And if you want your seed to grow, you can plant it in good ground. And VCF is good ground. Amen? And when you give to VCF, you're giving to the kingdom. And uh, it's an honor and a privilege to give, and God will return it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So uh, I encourage you uh, to give and invest in the kingdom of God, as you always and faithfully do. And if you're watching online, you can do it through our website as well. There's many ways to give. Amen? And... uh, you, you put it in the ground and watch God make it grow. Amen. So, Father, I pronounce the blessing upon each individual their, of their giving and their gifts, Lord. I thank you that it goes into your kingdom and it builds your kingdom. And, Lord, you produce a, a great and mighty return for every giver. And we just bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Of course, you can give anytime during the service and there's envelopes there. All right. We got some kids live kids, kids living in faith.
every day. And some Kids Life teachers, thank you for our teachers and our helpers and uh, all who are involved in our children's ministry. We love our kids. So kids, get ready. Have a blessed day. Learn about Jesus. Hallelujah. You all grateful for Jesus? If he hadn't done what he did, we wouldn't be here today, probably. But thank God he did. I'm so happy for Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. We give you thanks and praise, Lord. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. You ready for the word this morning? We started last week talking about the great gift exchange. And, uh, you know, God is the giver of gifts. He gives us life. He gave us salvation. And uh, he gives us everything. And uh, he also gave us the greatest and most wonderful helper in the form of Holy Spirit. Amen? Jesus was on this earth for 33 and a half years. Plus, he showed up on the earth uh, at different times before he was Jesus, right? The pre-incarnate, and uh, he, sometimes he's described as the angel of the Lord. But when he left, he didn't leave us without a helper, without a source of power, without the greatest gift that the church has ever received, and it's Holy Spirit. And I want you to turn to John fourteen, sixteen, and uh, we're just going to look at this, and then we're going to talk about some of the gifts that he gives us through Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in John fourteen sixteen, he said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. He intends to hang around for a long time. Amen? Jesus was here for part of the time, but the Holy Spirit's here for all time. And then he said, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him. How many of you know him? Amen? We need to know the Holy Spirit. We need to know what he likes. We need to know what he doesn't like. We need to know what he's here to do. Okay? But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. All right? So Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has been working in the earth. He would come on people in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, he, he, he comes to live on the inside of us. So he's on the inside. So I've got God's greatness on the inside. And you know, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you gives you an advantage in life. And uh, here are some personal qualities of the Holy Spirit um, he makes choices, 1 Corinthians 2.11. He can teach, John 14.26. He guides, John 16.13. He reveals Jesus to us, John 16.14.
He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. John 16, 8. He seals believers. He seals believers. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. He can be grieved. You know, the Bible says for us to not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, that's, that's a, a human quality that shows us that um, he has this quality, and that's uh, Ephesians 4.30. He can be blasphemed, Matthew 12.3. That's calling the work of the Holy Spirit the work of the devil. That's what it means to blaspheme. And uh, Jesus said, you know, you can blaspheme me, but don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. All right? Um, he possesses a rational mind, Romans 8, 26 and 27, and 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 13. He knows things. He researches things. He, he can search the deep things of God. Did you know that you have the Holy Spirit, you have heaven's encyclopedia on the inside of you? You have the one who was in the beginning, and he was there at creation. All right? And uh, he can be lied to. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira were influenced by Satan to lie to the Holy Spirit. Okay? He can be quenched. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, don't quench the Spirit. How do you quench them? You know, if you want to put out a fire, you put a wet blanket on it, right? And it ceases the flames from burning. And then uh, finally, he can be resisted, Acts 7.51. Now, let's talk about his deity. Okay, I'm just going to mention a few things. I'm just going over these things quickly because I want to get to the gifts. Okay? The deity of the Holy Spirit. He is God. Say, he is God. God. All right? He is, he is part of the Godhead. Um, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, he receives worship due the Father and the Son. Okay? He's part of the Trinity. All right? He, he is divine. Um, in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 and Matthew 19, he does divine works, including inspiring scriptures. Holy men of God were inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were instructed as to what to write, right? They put pen to paper, but he gave them the words to say. Amen? Are you glad for the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. All right. He regenerates hearts. Titus 1.5. He's a regenerator. In other words, he ignites the dead to life. You need, if you have a dead battery, he can jump it. He can bring life to it. Amen. He creates, sustains, and gives life to all things. He was there in creation. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, waiting for God's word to go forth. And once God's word went forth, he went into action and he brought it to life. Uh, He is eternal. Hebrews 9.14, the eternal spirit. He's forever. Okay? He is omniscient. He knows everything. 1 Corinthians uh, 2.10 and 11, he knows everything. You have someone who knows everything on the inside of you. Think about that for a minute. Think about the deposit that God made in us in Holy Spirit. Think about the resources that we have access to, the power that we have access to, the wisdom that we have access to, 
the understanding. When, we, when you don't understand something that you read in the Word or, or hear, the Holy Spirit can help you with that. One of his things that he does is he brings us into all truth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Um, he is actually referred to as God, Acts 5, 3, and 4, 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 6, 19. What? The Spirit of God dwells in you, right? He is the Spirit of God. He is God's Spirit. Um, he was involved in creation. He helps in administration. You know, Pharaoh wanted someone to administer the giving out and the collecting of the grain. And he said, who can we find who has the spirit of God in them like that requires this? And he found Joseph. Amen. Joseph was connected to the spirit of God. The spirit of God would come on Joseph. And he administered all of the resources of Egypt. Hallelujah. He endued followers of Jesus with power. God said, wait to the promise of my father till you be endued with power. He gives us power. He empowers us. Say, I'm empowered. Okay? And this is how Holy Spirit worked in the life of Jesus. Okay? He was, he was, um, he helped birth Jesus. Mary said, how is this going to happen? And, and he said, the spirit of God from on high is going to come on you. Right? He planted the seed in Mary. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He was at uh, Christ's baptism. When Jesus got baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him. Amen. He anointed Christ for messianic service. Uh, He filled him before his temptation. He revealed the timing and the nature of the beginning of that ministry in Luke 4.14. The Holy Spirit was responsible for Christ's ability to perform miracles and to cast out demons. You know, everything that Jesus did, he did as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit that you have. It wasn't a different spirit. It wasn't different ways. Jesus used the same ways that he leads us to use. Amen? Same Spirit of God. And uh, hallelujah. He, he calls us, he unites us, he indwells us, he fills us, he teaches us, he guides us, he gives gifts to us. Amen? All right, let's talk about his gifts that he's given. I want you to go to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. Hallelujah. You excited about the word this morning? Luke 3:21 Now when all the people were baptized it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying so he was baptized in water and he was praying the heavens were was opened and the holy ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and, and uh, a voice from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And uh, Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being 
the son of Joseph, which was the son of uh, Heli. And he goes on to, to point out his genealogy. So the Holy Spirit was on Jesus, right? Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. If it's good for Jesus, it's good for you. Amen? And uh, why don't you go to Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Luke 4 and verse 1. See, these things are going to help us cooperate with the Holy Spirit in, you, in operating in the gifts that he gives. Amen? Look at Luke 4.1. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Say, Jesus was full. If Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost, you need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? You don't need to be empty and void. You need to be full. And he can fill you up. Right? So Jesus was full and Jesus was led. If you want the Holy Spirit to lead you, you've got to be able to communicate with him. And Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit, okay? So the Spirit led him into the wilderness. This is where he was tempted by Satan. He resisted Satan with the word, and he overcame. Say, he overcame. Now, you may wonder, why will the Holy Spirit lead you into a place like the wilderness? You know what? He just wants to make sure that you're strong. He wants to make sure that you're an overcomer. Amen? And uh, he already knew the outcome. He already knew that Jesus was going to whoop the devils behind. Right? So he led him into the wilderness. Now look at verse 14. This was after he was tempted, after he overcame the devil. Notice. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out fame of him through all the region round about. Jesus did not perform a miracle until he was full of the Holy Spirit. He did not do a miracle when he was a child. Because his first miracle is recorded in the eternal word in John when he turned water into wine. The Bible clearly says that was his first miracle. He did that. He did no miracle until he was full of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is into miracle working. He is a miracle worker, and he lives in you. you got a miracle worker on the inside. See, there's a miracle in me waiting to manifest. Think about that. If you're walking around with the power of the Holy Ghost, and you come up against a situation where you need power, it's available right there. You're already plugged in. Amen? You don't have to charge your battery. Amen? He's in you. You take him with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. Okay? Now let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 35. I'm setting you up for good things. Now this is when... This is the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on everybody and any believer can participate with the Holy Spirit, okay? He was made available to everybody, not just 
a king or a prophet or a priest, but every believer, right? And this was a fulfillment of scripture. Joel, he prophesied about this day. He said, uh, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he said, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. See, when you get in contact with the Holy Spirit, a chemical reaction takes place. And things that are in you begin to come out of you. Amen? All right, Acts 2.35. Hallelujah. And he says, um, actually, let's go to verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? See, the Holy Spirit fell. Peter was one of the recipients. He was one of the 120 in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came all on 120, right? He appeared as tongues of fire, right? He, he, it was a sound from heaven, a wind came into the place, and it filled the place, and he sat upon each person. And they began speaking in other languages that they never learned or studied. And then Peter, he got up to preach, and he was preaching, and the whole, while he was preaching, the Holy Spirit was touching people's hearts, okay? And the people said, what must we do? Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Repent, uh, that just means come to Jesus, Right? And be baptized, that's water baptism, because that's, that's an outward sign of what you already believe. Okay? But then he said, right after this, he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Say the gift. This is the great gift exchange. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everyone who has made Jesus Christ his Lord can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The only qualification that you need is to have Jesus as your Lord and you qualify to receive this gift. This gift has been given to you. This gift has been made available to you. Now notice what Peter said, verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So who's the Holy Spirit available to? To you, to your children, and everyone whom God will call. Is God still calling people today? He's still calling people to himself. He's still calling people out of darkness. So the Holy Spirit is still applicable for today. Amen? He hasn't gone away. Neither have his gifts. Amen? He's still here working. And he's got gifts to give, okay? And he transcends generations. Hallelujah. Every family should be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing, all right? Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And let's look at verse 11. Hallelujah. We're getting to the good part. Verse 
Paul was praying for the Romans, and he said this in verse 11, chapter 1, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end that you may be established. So what do spiritual gifts do? They help you be established. How many want to be established? You know, being established means you're not flaky. You're not easily moved. It means that you're strong and you're steadfast. And Paul was desiring to impart a spiritual gift to the Roman church that they may be established. So spiritual gifts help us be established. Right? God gives good practical gifts. Every gift that God used, you can use right now, and it's one size fits all, and it's actually guaranteed for all eternity. It will not fail. It will not uh, diminish in strength or power. Amen? And you don't even need batteries. Praise the Lord. Okay? Say a spiritual gift. All right, let's go to Romans 12. Romans 12. And let's look at verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. He, he says here, For I say, through the grace given me. Everybody say, the grace given me. The Holy Spirit is a giver of grace. Grace is an enablement. Grace is favor. Grace is goodness. How are we saved? We are saved by grace through faith. I like to say it this way. Grace is God's offer to you of what you can have, who you can be, and what you can do. But our faith is the receiving of that offer. Grace is the offer, but by faith we receive the offer that has been given to us. Amen? So we are saved by grace through faith. So for the grace given to me, that word is charis. Uh, it's a root word of charisma, right? It's, it's, an, it's a divine enablement that comes from God. Hallelujah. By grace, you can serve. By grace, you can stand. And by grace, you can do the impossible. And God wants us to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Okay. Through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. When God gives you a gift, it doesn't magnify you, it should magnify Jesus. And God loves to give gifts to people. Amen? But they're never to magnify the person. They're to meant to magnify God. Right? So because we have a gift, we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Amen? Everything is God's. And I'm just a steward of what God's given me. Amen? And, and God's given you things too. You know, uh, God's gifts are not exclusive. He gives to all of his children. Amen? Equally. Now, we may have more gifts than the other, but the gifts aren't, aren't any less. I mean, they're not less in value. Amen? 
Everything that God gives is good. Everything that God gives is helpful and useful to, for you to be the Christian that God wants you to be, for you to live the life that God wants you to live. These gifts that come from God are useful, powerful, helpful. Amen? So, God has given us grace. Okay? Let's go to um, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's look at verse 8. And I want you to notice the word gift. This is the gift exchange. Hallelujah. How many enjoy receiving gifts? How many enjoy giving gifts? Amen. Ephesians 4 verse 8. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to who? He gave gifts to man. Now, he's not just talking males. He's talking mankind. Amen? How many mankind are here today? Everybody should raise your hand. Right? Say, God gave gifts to me. He gave gifts to mankind. Why? God's a giver. He's the greatest giver. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. Amen? He gave the world Jesus and he gave the church the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And we can benefit from these gifts. Okay? All right, let's go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And let's look at verse 10. As every man has received the gift. See, I've received the gift. First of all, the gift is Jesus. The gift is salvation. Then the gift is the Holy Spirit. And then it's the Holy Spirit gives gifts. Amen? Okay? As many as received the gift, even so minister... The same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What are you supposed to do with your gift? You are supposed to serve others with the gift that God gave you. God gave me the gift of teaching. So what do I do? I serve the people of VCF in teaching the word. Amen? And uh, God gave Dr. Fiona the gift of prophecy. And she serves the body of Christ through prophecy, right? She has, she has visions and, and dreams, and she has the ability to solve problems quickly. That's a gift of God. Hallelujah. God knew I was going to have a lot of problems, so he put someone with me that will solve them quickly. Thank God. Amen? Every one of us have gifts that are different from the other, But we need to be using our gifts to serve the body. Amen? That's what gifts are for. He said, even so minister the same. All right, verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. All right? Or, Or the utterances of God. If any man minister... Or serve, let him do it as of the ability which God gives. 
Did you know that uh, there was a group of seven men in in Acts uh, chapter 6 who served tables with the gifts of God given to them? They served tables. But yet they did great miracles. Stephen and Philip and the rest of them, they were, they were given things. God gave them things and they used their gifts to serve others. And that's what we need to do. That's what makes a church strong when we're serving. You know what? The only competition that we should have in a church is if we can outserve one another. Serving. Right? Jesus used his gifts to serve, didn't he? He healed people. He, he, he said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. All right. Um, he that. Uh, that God uh, in all things may be glorified. So when we use our gifts, the purpose is to serve one another and to glorify God. Right. Say God gets the glory. And let me tell you something, when you use your gift and it blesses someone, people will be grateful for you using your gift. But you got to direct that praise to God. Amen? I appreciate when people say, thank you for that message. And I say, well, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be able to share it. Amen? I'm just a middleman. I just share what God puts on my heart to share. And sometimes there's things I want to share, but he has other, he has other plans, so I go with his plans. Amen. I prepare as if it's all upon me, but I, I minister as if it's all upon God. I, I'm not up here relying on my own self to do what I do. I'm relying on the Holy Spirit and his help. And you know what? He helps me. I, I, I spend time listening to him in my study so that I can deliver a message to you that's from him. Amen. I want to represent him well. And I want God to look good for what I do. Amen. So that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Hallelujah. Okay? So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And here we have what we want to talk about today. Glory to God. Last week, we talked about the power gifts. Okay? There's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, everybody say spiritual gifts. So these, come, these gifts come through the medium of the Holy Spirit. All right? He is the exchanger. Okay? He is the initiator. He is the author. He is the leader of these gifts. Okay, he is the administrator of these gifts. Okay, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Aren't you glad that God doesn't want us ignorant? God does not want us ignorant about spiritual gifts. And there's not a whole lot of places that do a lot of in-depth teaching on the spiritual gifts. Okay, but God doesn't want us ignorant. He said, um, you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as you were led. <laughs> Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. 
Now, there are diversities of gifts. Everybody say there are differences. But the same spirit. Okay? There are differences of administrations. The way these gifts are manifested, the way these gifts are expressed, they're different. Okay? But the same Lord, there are diversities of operations. They operate differently. Right? They're not going to operate the same everywhere. Okay? But it is the same God which works all in all. In all these gifts, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together. Amen? And uh, now here, verse 7 is an important key that we need to know. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So every man should benefit. Every man should profit. It's for the benefit of all. Okay? That's why these gifts operate. That's why these gifts function. Okay? And then he goes into the list of the nine gifts. All right? For to one is given by the Spirit. Everybody say, by the Spirit. So you got to have some knowledge of the Holy Spirit. you got to be able to know how to communicate, how to listen to the Holy Spirit in order to operate these gifts. And as a believer in Christ Jesus, you're already qualified. Amen? And when you have teaching like this, and you can study, you can study Romans 12, Ephesians 4, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Corinthians 14. These talk about the different gifts. Okay? You can study them. So, uh, by the Spirit, uh, the word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is a revelatory gift. We're going to talk about those today. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Faith is a power gift, right? You can classify, let me just read these and then I'll tell you. Um, to another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and self-same spirit Dividing or distributing to every man severally as he will. Everybody say, as he will. So these gifts uh, are distributed by the Holy Spirit as he wills. Every service, we all see a gift in operation. It's called tongues and interpretation. Someone gives a tongue. I never know who's going to give a tongue, but I'm always the interpreter. All right? It's, it's not a translation. It's an interpretation. Okay, but that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And when that gift is in operation, doesn't the body get edified, built up? I mean, if I was just to speak in another language the whole service and you didn't know that language, you wouldn't get a thing out of it. Right? So God uses languages, but he also uses the language of the people so that they can understand. God wants you to understand. Okay? The Holy Spirit says things, the Holy Spirit does things, and the Holy Spirit reveals things. Okay? The revelatory gifts are word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. They reveal something. They show something. All right? The speaking gifts are tongues interpretation, prophecy, and... um, um, Yeah... Prophecy, tongues and interpret tongues and tongues and interpretation. Those speaking gifts. What do you think you use when you speak? You use your mouth, right? These are vocal gifts, okay? And then um, there's the power gifts which we covered last week. That's faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healing, okay? So there's nine gifts. 
Three categories. Gifts that do things, gifts that say things, and gifts that reveal things. Amen? Aren't you glad that there's order in the body of Christ? Hallelujah. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And look at verse 7. Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God doesn't want us to come behind in any gift, amen? Now, we don't choose to turn these off and on. We simply yield to them when the Holy Spirit is operating them. How many has ever gone to a, ridden on an elevator that was operated by someone else, Right? You know, sometimes these bigger buildings or these fancy stores that have several floors, they'll have a person and they'll operate, they'll choose, the, the, you say, I want to go to floor seven and they hit the button for you, right? That, I don't know if they still have those things today, but uh, that's what, you know, you tell them what you want and, and he does it. But the Holy Spirit, when, when he wants to operate a gift, he'll work in your heart and, and you'll feel an unction. You'll feel something on the inside of you that... God wants to do something, and you just make yourself available, and he'll do what he needs to do. Amen? Now, it does take faith. Like, if God inspires you to give a message in tongues, you've got to step out in faith. Right? It's not for the fearful. It's for the faithful. Right? We're filled with faith here, aren't we? We've already kicked fear out of here. It has no place here. So it does take faith to step out and to make yourself available for these gifts to operate. Okay? Go to um, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Hallelujah. And look at verse 14. This is a powerful statement. Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given you by the prophecy, which is another gift, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery who has gifts. Right? Say, don't neglect the gift. You know, if you've got a gift and you never use it, you're neglecting it. How many know that when you neglect something, it doesn't develop into what it needs to be? If we neglect our car, it, it begins to rust, right? It begins to become unusable for what it was designed. See, when you neglect a gift that God's given you, number one, you're taking away from the body of Christ. And he's telling a, a pastor, a minister, don't neglect the gift that is in you. God put that gift in you. Use it. Look at your neighbor and say, use it. Use it for the body. Use it for the kingdom. Amen? We should be able to use our gifts. And God gave us a great atmosphere called the church where we can learn to develop our gifts. And you know what? If you use your gift in church and you make a mistake, so what? Get over it. It's not the end of the world. Amen? 
How many kids, as they're growing up, make mistakes in the home? They learn from them, amen? But that's a good place to, to do a mistake as a home because you've got a loving atmosphere that you can learn and develop. It's better to make a mistake there than out there, right? So don't be afraid if, if, you, if you feel an unction to yield to a gift and you yield to it and you miss it, don't worry about it. It's okay. We'll love you and we'll help you, amen? Years ago, we had a member here. She's in heaven now. But she, uh, she was a precious saint. And there were times when she would, I, I would get done preaching and she would just start singing. And she, there were a couple times where she got the whole congregation singing, you know. And it was wonderful. But, but at, at, at other times, it was kind of interruptive, right? So I just gently talked to her. And uh, I told her, I said, you know, uh, we appreciate your gifts, but just make sure that, uh, you know, it's not interruptive. And But for the most part, it wasn't. But this, there were just a couple times that it was. And she was just gently corrected, and it was all good. Amen? So don't let these gifts fear you. Don't, we're not to be afraid of anything. Amen? Don't be afraid of yielding to these gifts. And h- how will I know? You're going to know. There's going to be like a burning on the inside of you. You know, when I, when I sense the Holy Spirit moving uh, in, in, in a service, th- th- something happens on the inside. It's like water boiling. You know, the bubbles start to get uh, b- bigger and bigger, right? You're, you're going to feel the whole, see, the Holy Spirit, he wants you to cooperate with him. So he's going to alert you, say, okay, let's do this, all right? Now, it may be at the spur of the moment. How many know you got to be ready? Right? He's not going to wait to get, for you to get ready when he wants to use you. When the Holy Spirit says, let's go, and you say, well, can I pray about that? No. <laughs> you should have been praying about it before. You should be ready. You know, when the Holy Spirit speaks, you've got to be ready to move. You've got to be ready to yield. Right? We should be, you know, as Christians, we should be wearing shoes of readiness. That's part of our armor. You got your ready shoes on? Say, I'm ready. In any season, we should be ready. Right? In season, out of season. Okay? So let's look at these revelation gifts. Okay? God wants you to know some things. Hallelujah. All right, let's... uh, Let's talk about the first one that he, he says here in 1 Corinthians 12, um, the word of wisdom. All right? What is the word of wisdom? All right, this is the first gift that he lists. And um, he said uh, the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is a revelation of what God wants to do in the earth. How many know that God is good at hiding things from the world, from the enemy? And when he does something, he wants to reveal that, right, to his servants, okay? Excuse me. So, uh, 
God will reveal to someone who's connected with him of something that he wants to do in the earth. Let me tell you a, a little thing about, there was a man sent to Egypt, his name was Joseph, right? What was Joseph known for? He was a dreamer. Everybody say dreamer. Joseph had dreams. And in his dreams, he had glimpses of the future. Unfortunately, his future was his brothers and his father and mother bowing down to him. Now, that's a good dream for you. But when you share that with your brothers, that's going to be a problem. But see, God was, God was giving Joseph a glimpse of his future in a dream. Okay? See, dreaming is very prophetic. It can be. I, I don't dream prophetic dreams. Dr. Fiona, she dreams from prophetic dreams. Sometimes she's fighting in her dreams. Hallelujah. So, Joseph was a dreamer, and the word of wisdom is a revelation of God's plans and divine insight. Okay? So, uh, this word of wisdom is, uh, it's the, it's the, we get our English words sophistication and philosophy from it. It's the word sophies. Okay? It means the art of using wisdom having an affection for wisdom, insight, skill, or intelligence. Okay? And often interpreting dreams is using the gift of the word of wisdom. Okay? And uh, through the word of wisdom, you get devout and proper prudence to help people in a situation. Okay? So here was Joseph. He was a plant in Egypt. I'm not going to go about through the life of, of Joseph until the end, right? And there was a time, see, Joseph, he interpreted dreams when he was in prison. What was he doing? He was using his gift. He was serving people, right? He was helping people by using the gifts that God gave him, dream interpretation, okay? But a situation arose. Pharaoh, the head of Egypt, had a dream, And he had two dreams, and the dreams bothered him. He didn't know what they meant. He knew that there was a message being communicated to him, but he didn't know what the message meant. He needed someone with the gift of interpretation to tell him what this dream meant, okay? And just so happened that God had an inside man. You know, God knows how to put people in the right place for the right time. Don't worry about what you're going through. Just stay connected to God. Right? Joseph, in all of his troubles, all of his trials, he remained connected to God, and God was able to use him at the right moment, at the right time, to save an entire group of people. So here, Pharaoh was disturbed by this dream. And no one in Egypt could interpret the dream. All the astrologers, all the astronomers, all the magicians, they didn't have a clue. Why? Because they're not connected to God. But Joseph was connected to God. 
And he was able to, you know, uh, the, it was the butler. He was restored, right? He remembered that Joseph had interpreted his dream and it came to pass. And he said, oh, yes, I remember a guy. There's, there's a guy in jail who can interpret your dream. See, God used that connection to get Joseph where he needed to be. Okay? And the dream was that there was going to be seven years of famine or seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. That was something that was going to happen in the earth that no one knew that it was going to happen unless God revealed it. So God, through the gift of a word of wisdom, showed Joseph the interpretation of the dream of an event that was going to occur in the earth that was going to affect God's people. And Joseph correctly interpreted the dream. He said the two dreams are the same. You got the, you got the skinny cows eating the fat cows and the skinny grain eating the fat grain. Right? And uh, then... Because Joseph used his gift, it was a revelation of a word of wisdom of something that was going to happen in the earth. No one knew but Joseph. He was the only one. He had sole information. Man, he could have marketed that. Right? So, Pharaoh needed a man who had such wisdom, who had such skill, who had such intelligence. And the only person that had that gift of wisdom and skill and intelligence in the whole nation was Joseph. Because Joseph was connected to God and God showed Joseph. Not only did God show Joseph the dream, he showed him the solution on how to handle the dream. We're going to collect the grain for for seven years. We're going to put 20% aside. And he did that for seven years. They got to the point where they, they couldn't count it anymore. It was so much. But... When the famine struck and God's people who were 70 people, Jacob's descendants were in the land of Canaan. They needed to buy bread. Where did they go to buy bread? They had to go to Egypt. What did they do when they were in Egypt? They bowed down to Joseph. God made Joseph's dream come to pass. Amen? So... This word of wisdom. Who did God reveal that there was going to be a flood in the earth? A man named Noah. Why did God reveal to Noah that there was going to be a flood? So that he could build an ark. To save his family and to save humankind and to save animals. Amen? God knew what was going to happen. But he revealed it to a person on the earth. So the person could take that gift and use it to bless other people. So what did Noah do? He built an ark. Amen? He took that revelation, because he was the only one that had that information. God didn't reveal it to anybody else, because the flood took them by surprise. But when God reveals you something, you're not surprised. Oh, God showed me this. Why did God show it to you? Because now's the time to use what he showed you, to do something with it. Amen? How did Daniel... How was he able to interpret the, the king's dream who didn't, the king didn't even tell what the dream was? They said, okay, king, we'll interpret your dream. Tell us what the dream was. He said, how dare you ask me what my dream was? You better interpret it. And he was going to kill all the wise men. That dude, that, that dude had some crazy, he has a crazy mind. Right? 
I want you to interpret the dream, but I'm not going to tell you what the dream was, but you got to interpret. You need some skill, right? But Daniel knew someone who knows all the secrets. And Daniel and his friends prayed. And God revealed to Daniel what the king's dream was without the king telling what the dream was. How many know God knows the thoughts of your heart? He knows the intents of your heart. That's through a word of wisdom. Daniel was operating by a word of wisdom, a gift of the Holy Spirit that was given to him. It promoted him. It, it, it kept him alive because Daniel was a wise man. He was scheduled to die. He was going to be murdered by the king because no wise man could interpret the dream. But God, see, Daniel knew who to go to. Amen? Hallelujah. How did Joseph know to escape to Egypt? It was a revelation by God. Amen? Okay. Let's go to the next one. A word of knowledge. All right? The word of wisdom is a revelation of God's plan or insight, what's going to happen to the earth. But a re- the word of knowledge is a revelation of an already known fact. It may be known to others, but not known to you. Okay? Say, a, a revelation of an already known fact. All right? It's... Uh, And God uses this gift to minister to people, okay? The word of knowledge, it's the knowledge of God. Um, When Israel wanted a king, right, in 1 Samuel 2, they chose Saul, right? God revealed that it was going to be Saul who was the first king. And the Bible says that he was head and shoulders above everybody. But in uh, 1 Samuel... Uh, chapter 10, you know, they wanted to go anoint the king, but the king was nowhere to be found. Why? He was hiding. And so Samuel the prophet asked the Lord, show us where the king is. And the spirit of God said, oh, he's behind the stuff. How many know that God knows where everything is? See, Saul knew that he was hiding, but no one else knew where he was hiding. And so when they, when they went to anoint him as king, they said, he's behind the stuff. And so they went and got him so that they could anoint him and make him king. So God knew where he, that's a revelation of an already known fact. Probably a more famous story is the woman at the well. How many know the story of the woman at the well? Jesus told his disciples, he said, it's necessary for me to go to Samaria. And so he went to Samaria. He was sitting by a well, and there came a woman who, and he asked her for something to drink. First of all, that was odd because Jesus was a Jew, and she was a Samaritan, and Jews never socialized or talked with Samaritans. They thought they were dogs. That was really a bad relationship, Okay. So for a Jewish man to strike up a conversation with a Samaritan woman was out of place. Jesus just, he overturns negative culture. Come on. You want to change a culture, infuse the kingdom culture into a situation. And this woman and Jesus engage in a conversation, right? 
Their conversation started about water, but then it went to spiritual things. That's how to witness. Start with natural things and then bring the spirit into it. Okay? Jesus was witnessing to this woman one-on-one. All right? And he, he, tells, he starts telling her about living water, right? And this woman has had a lot of bad relationships. She's had a lot of heartache. She had a lot of emotional pain. She had a lot of sorrow, a lot of regret. And here was this man telling her about living water. She says, I want that living water. And then Jesus said, go tell your husband. And then she said, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus said, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband because the guy you're living with is not your husband, but you've had five husbands, right? How did he know that? Everybody who knew that woman knew her situation, but Jesus didn't know it. How did he know it? That was a revelation of the word of knowledge. It was an already known fact. Now, this took her by surprise. See, the Holy Spirit revealed to Jesus that the man she was living with was not her husband and that she's had five husbands. But this opened her heart to receive the word. See, God used the spiritual gift to reach this woman with the gospel. And she went and told, she was like, wow, how did you know that? Because they never met before. It's not like she said, it's not like she came to the well and said, hey, Jesus, what's up? You know, she didn't know him. He didn't know her, but the spirit of God knows everybody. Listen, (laughs) the spirit of God knows what you do why you do it, and what you don't do and should do. You can't hide anything from him, okay? So just do, what, just do the right thing, right? Because there's no sense trying to hide when you're doing the wrong thing, because God knows. But he revealed that to Jesus, and that information, that woman took that information, and what did she tell her... All the people that know her, come here a man who told me everything about my life. See, that revelation of the word of knowledge helped that woman come to Jesus. And she brought other people to Jesus because he revealed that information to her. See, when you're ministering to someone, when you're witnessing to someone, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He will show you things. He's going to help you minister to that person. Amen? When you minister to someone, when you share the gospel, when you share your testimony, you're not alone. Amen? And that information helped that woman. Hallelujah. She, uh, you know, um, hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to go there. So, Everybody say the word of knowledge. It's a revelation of an already known fact. Word of wisdom is a revelation of God's plan or something that's going to happen in the earth. Okay? Now we'll come to the third revelation gift, which is the discerning of spirits. How many know that there's a spiritual world? We can't see the spiritual world, but it it exists. And it's real. It's more real than this world because this world was created out of the spirit world. Okay? But we live in a spirit world. You're a spirit being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. God is a spirit. 
Okay? So the discerning of spirits, the word discerning is uh, diacrisis, and it means a thorough judgment. It means a discernment, a conclusion which distinguishes lookalikes. It distinguishes lookalikes. See, what does the devil want to do? He wants to appear as an angel of light, but he's not. And with this gift, you can discern the lookalikes. All right? Things that appear to be the same. This will help you discern. Okay? And, uh, hallelujah. So, uh, it's a distinguishing, discerning, judging that occurs behind the scenes. Okay? The discerning of spirits is a glimpse behind the scenes. You're able to uh, discern the quality of being. And you're able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. Okay? It's the act of perceiving or discerning something. All right? It op- the discerning of spirits opens your eyes to see into the spirit realm. It's not just to reveal demons, but through the discerning of spirits, you can see demons or angels or any spiritual activity. When the Holy Spirit wants to operate this gift, he opens your eyes and you're able to see behind the scenes. You get God x-ray vision. Okay? All right? You can detect the genuine from the false. How many know we need to detect the genuine from the false in the world that we live in today? Because there's a lot of false being propagated in a lot of things. And we have to have, we have to be able to discern. Amen? Hallelujah. So the gift is the discerning of spirits. So the word spirits is plural because there's different spiritual realms. Okay? There's the Holy Spirit, right? There's the heavenly realm. That's where the angels are. Okay? Uh, there are human spirits and there are demonic spirits. Okay? All kinds of different spirits, right? Um, the discerning of spirits is not natural or emotional discernment of another person. It is not the gift of criticism. It is not the gift of suspicion. It is not the gift of manipulation. You know, there is a group of spirits called familiar spirits. You ever hear that term? Why do you think they're familiar spirits? Because they're familiar with people or things. They're, you know, spirits don't die. Spirits are, are forever. So, you know, people who talk to dead people, that's not the dead person talking. That's a familiar spirit. That's an evil spirit. You cannot talk to dead people. Dead people are not, they're gone. I mean, they're gone from this earth. And they're either in hell or in heaven. And if a person is talking to dead people, they're operating by an evil spirit. Or a spirit of divination. Okay? So, this is not the gift of condemnation. This is 
uh, a gift for you to see into the spirit realm so that you can determine what's true and what's not. Okay? All right? Let's go to Acts 5 for just a minute. Acts 5. Okay, let's look at verse 1, Acts 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. Now, this was a time when people would sell property or houses or things, and they would bring the proceeds to the church, and the church would then take care of the people, because oftentimes when people got converted out of Judaism, their families would kind of turn their back on them. A lot of times. Okay? So that's why they were taking care of the, the, the widows of things in Acts 6. Now, they sold this property. Now, together, be careful what you agree on. Anything that you agree on will multiply, whether good or bad. If a spouse is presenting a bad idea based on bad information, don't agree with it. Otherwise, that bad will multiply. Okay? If it's a good idea and it's a good source of information, agree with it. Why? Because you want the good to multiply. No one wants the bad to multiply. We want good to multiply. Don't agree with stupidity. Don't agree with ignorance. Okay? Ignorance, ignorance can be helped. Hallelujah. Okay? Now look at verse 2, and they kept back part of the price, his wife being privy to it, knowing it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. The problem was they brought a certain part saying it was the whole part. But they had a scheme before they gave it. Let's agree to keep some of this, but we'll say we're giving the whole thing. Okay, that sounds good to me. Foolish, foolish, foolish. Okay? No one knew this except for them. Okay? Look at verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? How did Peter know that? That was the discerning of spirits in operation. God the Father showed Peter the motive behind this gift and what was operating in Ananias and Sapphira so it wouldn't infect the church. Because this was something that, everybody, that a lot of people were in the church were doing. They were giving things. There was great giving going on. They just didn't tithe off the sale. They gave the whole proceeds. Okay? But Peter knew this immediately. It was a revelation of the... See, these gifts, they, they, they operate like this. Very quick. Okay? Peter didn't have to go and pray for an hour to find this out. Why? The Holy Ghost was living on the inside of him. He could hear his voice. When someone's sitting next to you, they don't have to talk loud, but they can talk to you. Amen? You got to just listen to the Holy Spirit. Because he knows. Verse 4, while it remained, was it not your own? Yeah, you, you could have done with it. He, he, he's basically saying you could have done with it what you wanted. 
Just don't, just don't do it deceptively. Who operates in deception? The devil does. When you, when you intend to deceive, you are in agreement with the devil. Or was it not in your own property? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Only Satan, Ananias, and Sapphira would have had that information unless the Lord revealed it. You have not lied to men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. He died in church. Woo! How did your giving increase? I just told people not to lie to God. <laughs> Amen? And then, oh, this is good. So, uh, and, and the young man arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. Okay? And it was about the th- space of three hours. Whoo, you're, you're good at VCF. I don't go for three hours <laughs> quite yet. When his wife, not knowing what was done, his wife had no idea that he died and was buried. I missed the funeral. And Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. He's giving her an opportunity to repent. He's showing her mercy. She could have owned up to the mistake. She could have repented and had mercy. But no, she stuck to the story of deceiving. And uh, and she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? See, that's a revelation of discerning the spirits. The Holy Spirit was revealing a wrong motive of an individual. Behold, the feet of them which have buried your husband are at the door and shall carry you out. Now, this was three hours later. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried, buried her by a husband. And great fear came on all the church. I bet it did. And upon as many as heard these things. But you see the discerning of spirits? Someone was intending on purpose to deceive. And no one would have known that but the Spirit of God, but he revealed it to the person who needed to know so that they could take action. All right? Let's just look at one more example. Um, In Acts chapter 16, let's go to Acts chapter 16. You know, Jesus one time rebuked his disciples because they had a wrong spirit. Remember the disciples wanted to call down fire? He said, should we call down fire from heaven? Because a prophet Elijah called down fire from heaven, right? But Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you are of. Because that was, that was not the right motive. Elijah did it by, inspired by God, but they were doing it inspired by jealousy or whatever, something else. But Jesus knew exactly what spirit that was. He said, you have the wrong, everybody said the wrong spirit. They were listening and participating with the wrong spirit. And if the Holy Spirit hadn't revealed it to them, you know, he wouldn't have said anything. But the Holy Spirit revealed. Okay, Acts chapter 16. All right. We'll just look at a a couple things of this. And uh, hallelujah. 
So verse 16, Acts 16, 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, you know, this is the second miracle that I know, there's probably more, but they, they were going to prayer and a miracle occurred. A certain damsel possessed, everybody say possessed, with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. That's fortune telling. In other words, uh, her masters had a 1-800 psychic line. Okay? And she was the psychic and she would bring them a lot of money. People would pay to have their fortunes told. Have you ever noticed fortune tellers never win the lottery? Why is that? Because they're operating by a devil. They don't know things other than what the devil tells them. Amen? The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Is that a bad statement? No, that statement itself is not bad. These are the men of the Most High God showing us the way to salvation. Okay? Here's the thing. Verse 18. And this she did for many days. Say many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit. How did he know the Spirit was there? Why didn't he know this the first day when she started saying this? Because it wasn't revealed to him the first day. So, the next day, why didn't he do it the next day? Because it wasn't revealed to him the next day. But all of a sudden, Paul's feeling something in his spirit saying, something's not right with that woman. There's something not right. Have you ever felt that there's something not right about a person? That's the Holy Ghost trying to tell you something. When the Holy Ghost says there's something not right, listen to that. Let me tell you something. I, I had a roommate one time. I felt like a squirrel in college. I lived with two nuts. Well, this one particular roommate that I had, um, anyway, he was just weird. And I introduced him to my mom, right? My mom just met him, and she, she told me, when I, was, when I was just, my mom and I, she said, Doug, there's something wrong with that guy. Of course, you know, my discernment was kind of low because I, 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 I was living with a nut. I should have known it. But my mom knew it right away. See, she has this gift, but she really hasn't developed it fully. But she knew right away. So there's, there's something wrong with that guy. Sure enough, there was something wrong with that guy. <laughs> Mama knows. Right? Mama knows. And uh, anyway, but when Paul did something, it was when the Spirit of God revealed to him through the discerning of spirits that this was an evil spirit talking through this woman. Paul didn't know that she was possessed, not, not at first, because he never met her. But the Holy Spirit, even though she was saying something that was good, these men are the, of the Most High God, they show us the way to salvation. But there was something wrong. There was something motivating this woman that was wrong. And first of all, the Holy Spirit's communicating to Paul, there's something wrong. Then the Holy Spirit showed Paul. And when, when the Spirit of God showed Paul, he spoke directly to the Spirit. He wasn't talking to the woman. He spoke directly to the Spirit of divination. And what did he say? 
He said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out. Everybody say, he came out. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit reveals to you that there's a work of, there's an evil spirit working and speaking, you can take authority, you can take action, and that spirit has to obey you. Verse 19, and when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace under the rulers, and they had them put in jail. And we know the story. At midnight, they had a little prayer time and a praise time, right? But see, the discerning of spirits. He didn't do it the first day. The Bible said that she did this for many days. See, you can only use the information that the Holy Spirit reveals to you unless you have other information, right? Paul, you know, Paul didn't come out the first day. That woman has a spirit of divination because he didn't know it. He only knew it when it was revealed to him. And once it was revealed to him, now it's his information because the secret things belong to God, but what he reveals to you is yours. And when he reveals you something, then it's time for you to do something about it. Amen? So, uh, that's the, the gift of discerning of spirits. One more, I'll just tell you the story about it. But uh, over in 2 Kings 6, Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. And uh, this is when, um, you know, Elisha was telling the, the plans of the king of Syria the harm that he was going to do to Israel, right? The king of Syria would make these plans to attack Israel, And the Spirit of God would reveal to Elisha what the Syrians were going to do. And he would, and Elisha would tell the king what the Syrians were going to do. They would send someone to that place, and sure enough, they found out that's what the Syrians were going to do. And the Syrians were upset. The king said, who was telling my plans? Who's a traitor among us? He thought one of his inner circles was telling his secrets. And one of the guys said, oh, there's a prophet in Israel whom God, uh, reveals what's what's happening in your bedchamber, you know, in your dreams or whatever. So they were going to go capture Elisha. So the Syrians came and they surrounded the city, right? And Gehazi was up early. He had his cup of coffee. He he walked outside. He was kind of rubbing the sleep out of his eyes. And he looked around and he saw the city was surrounded. And he's like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Master, master. He gets He gets his master, Elisha, to come out. Elisha's walking around like, no problem. Like, what's, what's wrong with you, dude? Can't you see that we're surrounded? He said, Lord, open his eyes. Why? Elisha saw something that this man didn't see. And when his eyes were opened, discerning of spirits, he saw that there were chariots of fire around Elisha. He's like, I'm getting by Elisha. <laughs> but see, he couldn't see what Elisha saw. So Elisha prayed that his eyes be open and the spirit of God gave him insight and he got to see into the spirit. He's like, okay, Elisha, I'm, I'm hanging with you, man. Amen. And Elisha made the entire Syrian army blind and he led them back to Israel 
And the king of Israel said, should we kill him? He said, no, feed him. But then the Bible says, Syria never gave Israel any more problems. I'll tell you what, if you get, if you get a whole battalion of soldiers that are blind by one man, you ain't going to mess with them either. Amen? But see how these gifts are powerful? We have access to these gifts. These gifts are given to the body of Christ. These gifts are given to believers. How can we increase our development, get close to the Holy Spirit? Number one, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit, and you need to pray in tongues. You you want to develop your spiritual insight? Pray in tongues. Because when you're praying in tongues, you're speaking directly to God. When you're praying in tongues, you're speaking out mysteries. When you're praying in tongues, you're praying out God's perfect will for whatever situation. When you're praying in tongues, you're building up yourself on your most holy faith. Praying in tongues is how we become sensitive to operate when the Holy Spirit wants to operate these gifts. First of all, we need knowledge of these gifts, right? Then, once we have the knowledge, then we develop our spiritual uh, insight so that we can cooperate when the Holy Spirit wants to operate these. we got to cooperate when he wants to operate. Amen? Is there ever a time when he doesn't want to operate? No, it's just that he doesn't have people that want to cooperate with him. Or people are too dull spiritually. Is that God talking to me or is that the pizza I ate last night? Well, if you don't know the difference between the voice of pizza or the voice of God, you got some problems. You've got to know the voice of God. You've got to know how God speaks to you. You've got to know it. If you don't, get in your prayer closet and let God speak to you and don't, let, don't leave that closet until he does, then you'll know. Amen? I know how God speaks to me. Dr. Fiona knows how God speaks to her. Amen? He speaks to her differently than he speaks to me. Why? We're different. We're different. God's not going to speak to me like he speaks to you. And he's not going to speak to you like he speaks to me. Why? We're different. But you got to know his voice. Because then you can cooperate with him when he wants to do these gifts. Amen? We're going to see an increase of these gifts. And these gifts aren't just for church services. They're for your home. They're for your future. They're for right where you are. He didn't say, I give you gifts just for the church. No, he gives gifts to you. And they can operate anywhere, any place, any time. You just got to be willing to yield to them and step out in faith when they're operating. Amen? That's the great gift exchange. Now, I'm not going to get into the the speaking gifts because I want to start the Christmas story next week. I'm going to go through the story of Christmas, and we're going to look at some details, amen, for the next couple weeks. I've never done that before. This is the first time in 21 years, 20 years that I've done that, so it's going to be good. So you don't want to miss the next two Sundays, right? You're going to learn some things about the Christmas story that maybe you've never seen or heard before, Amen. But we're going to take apart some details. Dive into the Christmas pool. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you glad you came today? Why don't you stand up? If you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit or you need to be refilled, you know, it's not good to be just capped off. You got to be overflowing. Right. When God, the way God gives is he pours until what's inside flows on the outside. That's God's way of giving. 
Amen? So if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today, if you've never been or if you want to be refilled, today is your day. Amen? You can be both, right? Filled and refilled. So anybody that wants to be filled, come. Anybody that wants to be refilled, come. In the name of Jesus. And God will bring his word to pass. Why? Because he confirms his word with signs following. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to do this by example. If I was to give you this pen, how would you receive it? Now who has it? Exactly. When God gives you something, it's, it's that, that exchange is that simple. Amen? He says, I gave it to you. You have it now. It's yours. Amen? Hallelujah. I want you to stretch forth your hands to these that have come up here. And let's just believe. Ela kahala badida rabasha. Sokohoro bodida rabasho rabasi. Ikahara manono mose. Ke rabadida rabashe. Ki rabakohoro boserebeshi. Ki namashoro bosi. And it's, it's, it's very often when people are filled, it's going to come out of your mouth. When Elizabeth was full of the Spirit, she began to speak. When Zechariah was full, he began to speak. When they were filled on the day of Pentecost, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's a language you've never learned or studied. It's not going to make any sense to your mind, but it's coming out of your spirit. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for filling BCF full in the name of Jesus. Fill every member, Father. Fill this house. In the name of Jesus, I give you thanks and praise, Father, that you are filling this place with living water and burning fire in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We give you thanks and praise and glory. We're never going to be the same. We're never going to be the same, Father. In the name of Jesus, we're stepping over into the increase. We're stepping over into the overflow, Father. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your fruit. Thank you for the work that you do. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. Oh, we bless you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, begin to praise Him right 
right now. Praise him. Thank him for the Holy Ghost. Thank him for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. He's my comforter, my helper, the one in who I depend. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He's been given to us in the name of Jesus. Anything to add? Yeah. So uh, Pastor Doug was talking about uh, divination and, you know, the horoscopes and the uh, familiar spirits. And I felt like if you have ever participated in reading the horoscopes, listening to the psychic stuff, whatever, and you were a Christian when you did it, but you may not have known that it was wrong. You know, you did it before. Nobody ever taught. And so you did it. What it did is it opens up a door to the familiar spirits. And familiar spirits, so the devil doesn't follow laws. He's lawless. We have to put him in his place. So if you've never shut the door to that opening by saying, I shut the door and I revoke access to any familiar spirit and any spirit that is not of God, I feel like that's something that we should do today. Yes. So what that does, it clears out confusing voices from your life. And now you only have the voice of the Holy Ghost that you're listening to. Yes. So it's not that you're still participating with these things, but it's just a door was opened. Yes. So now that you want to actively listen to the Holy Ghost, that familiar spirit is going to try to come in and, and tell you things too. And then you'll be confused. Right. So I just say, let's close the doors. So if if you've ever participated, a co-worker was reading and they're telling you what the horoscope says this week, whatever, whatever. And you were too shy to tell them, I don't listen to that nonsense. I don't accept it. You might just sit there and take it. Right. Well, you've given access. So let's just close the door. So, Father, today, in the name of Jesus, collectively, we revoke access to any spirit that is not of the spirit of God. We close every door to our life. Any other spirit has no access to us anymore. We don't listen to them. We don't participate in uh, in their instructions. And we don't accept their analysis of anything. Father, we only give ourselves access to the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Every other voice must be silenced around us, but only the voice of the Holy Spirit has permission to speak in our life and through our lives. We revoke everything else from the past. We even revoke a familiar spirit of family traditions, familiar spirit from bloodlines that we didn't even know about that keeps getting transferred over to us. We revoke access to our lives in the name of Jesus and, and the secret societies, any secret societies that was associated with our family line. We revoke all access. We close every door. We wash everything with the blood of Jesus. We apply the blood of Jesus that has been shed for us. And we now call ourselves vessels of the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us this. You gave us this free gift. And we receive and accept it from you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So don't accept 
family sayings, friends sayings, anybody that's bringing anything familiar, like you remember you, you no, 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 I'm done with all that. The whole, I'm a vessel, I'm a temple of the Holy Ghost. That's the only spirit I communicate with. Amen. Amen. That's it. We're we're done. Good church day. We did not play music on purpose so we could air this online. You know, when we have the music, we can't. We have to cut it off so that people could get this online too. So God bless you guys.